Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. I hope this finds each of you so very well. I'm speaking to you from my studio in West Orange, New Jersey, excited to have this opportunity to interview author Francis Ray Key, who will be speaking to us from Jacksonville, Florida, where she enjoys spending time with her four daughters and her many grandchildren. Frankie is a writer, a musician, and a former teacher of music and English as a second language. Throughout her life, Frankie has had what is commonly described as psychic experiences, including dreams, visions, and messages from people who have passed away. As a young child of 10, she began to receive through automatic writing, poetry and messages far beyond her ability to compose. Her bond with her mother as her spiritual teacher and dearest friend was so close, she had no doubt that she would have some connection with her after she one day transitioned. However, nothing could have prepared Francis, also called Frankie, for the amazing intensity of what was to come. 19 days after her mom, Gloria Crystal Key, who was called Teddy, had died, Frankie was on a plane to New York City to see her daughters. She looked out the plane at the glorious clouds and asked Teddy a question. Mom, is there any distance for you? And she received an answer. It was not an intuitive answer, but a concrete one. She heard Teddy's voice with its beautiful Australian lilt. And while it was indeed inside her head, it also seemed to be outside of her as well. Thus began a conversation that lasted more than a year. Frankie hand wrote the information Teddy gave her and compiled it into four books called The Team, A Mother's Wisdom from the Other Side. The first book was finished in three weeks. She released the next two within a year and the fourth in 2017. I'm looking forward to asking Frankie about an exchange of spiritual DNA with her mom, the physical and other effects Teddy's channeling had on Frankie, and some of the many insights in the books that are frankly mind-blowing, such as what Teddy has to say from her heavenly vantage point about our spiritual legacy and the great love of our spiritual teammates evolution being a collective process, the importance of our vibratory alignments, what happens when we die or transition, why gratitude works, how we can prepare for our own deaths and the sacredness of our lives. My questions are sourced from the 100 spiritually transformative insights presented on the foreign team books. I personally have read these books I am deeply comforted and inspired by them. And I'm looking forward to an absolutely incredible 
enlightening interview today for all of us. Hey, Frankie, my heart felt. You said so much. What? Gosh. (laughs) And there's so much more for us to say. I usually try to keep these interviews on the short side, but there's such so much wisdom for everyone in these books. It's just like I said, mind-blowing. And I really wanted, there's so much more to read than what I'm even going to question you about. But I mean, I really want to give people a taste. These are four books that are right, amazing, transformative. And I have personally recommended them to so many people who are also telling me that they're blowing them away. So I am passionate about sharing you with all of our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience. I really am. I really am, Frankie. These are really, really special. So let's begin our interview with the, the one, the first of many questions. Uh, actually, home from four books. So here we go. You cared for your mom for two years while she was ill, and you were by her side at her passing. When she passed, you felt something within you go with your mother, and something of your mother stayed inside you. Please explain what happened between you and your mom and tell us why this exchange was important to your channeling the four books. Oh, yes. Well, it's important to understand that my mother and I were incredibly close and we had been throughout our life and my childhood uh, explorers of different ways of thinking. We were, we, we read together, we talked together, we had many, many spiritual kind of experiences together. So we really had a foundation in a way, but like you said, never in my wildest dreams, did I think something like th- of this magnitude would occur or could, a- could occur. Um, but when my mother passed, um, she, when she took her last breath, I, I felt like, and I've come to understand what this is, we have spiritual DNA just like we have physical DNA. And um, just like our physical DNA gets activated by certain things in our life or, or, or not activated, um, something became activated. And it also felt like I knew she, her, I knew her soul was leaving her body but I felt like I partly went with her, like I was traveling with her out of the body, out of my body, like a part of me left with her. And then before a very short time, I didn't understand at the very instant, but I came to understand that a part of her had stayed with me, that something had exchanged. And you have to realize it's all done with vibration. I mean. We can't exchange our physical DNA, you and I, but uh, when a child, ha- when a, a couple have a child, uh, both their DNA is in that child. And so just like physical DNA uh, merges, spiritual DNA can, the same kind of thing can happen. And that is what happened. That is what happened. I didn't know it exactly at the time, but as the book information came through and all this terminology and concepts came through, it became evident. And made it easier for you as the material was coming through to you also. 
Well, I really think it, I really think it made it possible. I don't, I feel like whatever part of me left uh, was able to, to grasp the concept and see some of this through her eyes and whatever part of her stayed uh, was like a thread, like a bridge, like a bridge. Um, wow. So yeah. let me ask you this. So, so while this happened, now you have this direct contact with your mom and through that and your automatic writing and then sudden downloads of information, this enabled you to handwrite this remarkable four book series. Can you describe what that direct contact was like, what the automatic writing was like and those downloads of information so people understand how you got this incredible information? You know, uh, I began writing on the airplane, like you mentioned. Um, I was looking out a window and I mentally asked her a question, mom, is there any distance for you? Because the clouds were so beautiful and the sky, you know, it's like from a plane, you feel like you're in another dimension. Um, and then the, the answer came and, and that I could hear it and it was so rapid. I actually pulled out, I, I'm as a person who like, who is always writing anyway, I pulled out a piece of paper and I started scribbling down things. At first it was more personal then it became more universal. Um, you know, the, the best comparison I've ever found and I give people is how you have a song in your mind, like you get a, a song stuck in your head and you can hear the instruments, you can hear the voice, you can hear the backup singers, you can hear the drums. Where is that? You know, where is that? And, and how can you hear a few lines of, of a piece of music and you know instantly the whole, you know what it is. Oh, I know it's this song or in the case of you with a, playing a violin, you hear that line. That's the passage from this symphony. So in that way, it was like this enormous amount of information was contained in a quick uh, phrase or sentence. Or another example I give sometimes is, it's like somebody put a movie into my head in one split second, and I knew the beginning, the middle, the end, the whole plot um, that quickly, you know. So these things really don't translate very well into human. No, but I get it. And I mean, because part of my, in the beginning, when I first channeling, first started writing my book, I, yeah. the, the first person I worked with also did automatic writing and she would ask yeah. a question and the information would come right through her and she would start writing it on the page. Yes. You know, so I, I, some people call this automatic writing. Some people call it inspirational writing. I think it's a combination for you. For me, it was because I really never like lost. Uh, some people do automatic writing and they close their eyes and they have no consciousness. They, they don't even feel like they did it. Um, I was aware and I knew what was being said. And the amazing thing was, as it was being said and I was writing it in this big sloppy fast handwriting, I understood it at a level I now I don't know that I quite have because I study these books and I read them. I'm deeply moved and amazed every time I do because I know I didn't write them. They are I'm amazing. Capable. Well, I'm really not capable of writing this material. I'm, I'm a pretty good writer, but I'm not this kind of writer. I've written stories and poems. I've written a musical uh, scripts, you know, 
but this kind of technical quantum physics, uh, scientific stuff, um, uh, <laughs> what, what words would you use? It's there? not in your normal toolbox. I, <laughs> it's not in your normal toolbox. It's not, yes, it's not my normal ability, set of ability, okay? So I'm always amazed by it. I'm definitely a student of the material. So these vast concepts, it was like they were compressed into this thing and this tiny dot and then zoom. Zoom, you know, here it came. The hand was going like rapid fire. I have all the papers just. Wow, 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 wow. And I and had to write them. There was a power in the writing. It was very difficult to, to use a computer or any other method, really. Really? Well, um, you also had body changes. You had, there were some tremendous changes that occurred to you both in your body and vibrationally when you were in communication with your mother and doing this. So, and then you began to sense the story behind the story about many things that you never knew before. And, and I have to tell you from reading the books, I'm starting to do that too. It's quite an experience. So you wanna tell our listeners, our viewers, what that's, <clears throat> what is about the story behind the story <laughs> and how your body changed Yes. Vibrationally? Well, this this experience, when I got off the airplane, I thought maybe it was a personal one-time experience from being inspired of being up, up in the sky, but it continued for for several years. Mm -hmm. Of uh, the, the, the first six months, I would say, was night and day, night and day. And you would think that it would exhaust me, but I the the the, the information and there, the proximity of the teammates, first my mother and then other teammates, they were so close, gave me incredible energy. Now I'm, I'm 69 now. And so this happened when I was 58. Um, so I wasn't a real young woman, but I had the energy of a very young woman. I didn't need to sleep. I had, I was, I was on top of the world. I was floating, vibrationally floating, and it, it energized my body. And the problems I had with neck pain, back pain, migraines, uh, fibromyalgia, different things that doc doctors had diagnosed that I'd just struggled with, you know, since I was a teenager, really were gone. I was healed. I was powerful. I was youthful. I was full of energy and they gave that to me so that I could do it. That's wonderful. Tremendous energy. That's wonderful. So these and, things have not returned. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. I go up and down, you know, it has faded through the years. I'm getting older and there are times, uh, there are times where I feel the presence of the team or like when I'm speaking with somebody like you and I feel that incredible energy, but I, I don't keep it with me all the time anymore. I think it really was like an injection <laughs> they gave me so that I could be used uh, to get the books out. And I feel the same way with this podcast and with my book that we are you part of a team. I totally understand, you know, we're people. That you really, really are uh, carried, you are carried uh, by by them. And then other times you probably 
I'm presuming. They leave you to live your human life. Aches and pains. Story behind the story. That was your other question. And because as I wrote these things, they they penetrated my soul and they they stirred up a remembrance in me because we know these things, but but we forget. And they did, they, they came alive for me. And I began to see, oh, I remember one day when I was absolutely stunned. I, I get choked up remembering at the side of a tree coming out of the earth. It was almost like you read about people being on some kind of psychedelic drug, which I didn't do and I have never done, but it felt that way. I felt like I was seeing um, plants uh, the sky, uh, the breeze, everything was supernatural, was the colors were incredible. And, and the tree experience was like, I had, it, it, like perhaps being a child who'd never seen a tree before and the magnificent and the, the miracle of the roots of it. Um, to it, me, it sounds like you were getting a vision of what people see on the other side, because they always say the, 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 the colors are more vibrant yeah. Everything is, is taken, it's not through our filter. Music, the ecstasy of music, everything was magnified. Our ordinary day, our ordinary surroundings, our ordinary life is not ordinary. And does well, this also change the way you see people too, Frankie? Like well, the story well, behind the story? So like... Well, more than anything, it's the way I see people because uh, I see everyone as a soul, on a journey, and we spoke of this earlier, and even the darkest things that go on, people, these are, be, we are soul seeking light. And we are, sometimes we have to move through the mud. I'm trying to get out of the sunlight a little bit here. Move through the mud to- um, It looks good on you, the fights, Frankie. <laughs> You're lit, it's like nice. <laughs> It's in my eyes, but oh, it's in your eyes, and do what you need to do to, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the um, so oh, I can see you're, I can see that you're in Florida. The yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we are, uh, people are moving through the mud as they move towards the light, but none, no matter what we see, no matter who we see doing what. We, 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 we can learn to see the story behind the story. There's a team surrounding everyone and our teams overlap, you know, and it, 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 it says in the books that, for example, you and I could not be connecting right now on the physical way in the physical plane if we weren't first connecting in the spiritual plane. So the spiritual connection always precedes the physical. That's fascinating. That is so interesting. So that's going on behind the scenes of everywhere, everybody you see walking around. And it that's really fascinating. remarkable to see it clearly. By the way, before I ask the next question, do you need to make an adjustment for the light? Uh, you tell me. A little bit. I'm kind of moving it around the, the room here. Isn't this Zoom thing, the Zoom process is quite a process. Yes. <laughs> there, that's better. Okay. That's a little okay. better. That's better. That's all right for now. You just have a little light uh, behind your eyes, but that's okay. I'm behind your glasses, but it's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Not a problem. So speaking of light, you had these enormous orbs of light appear in your angel garden one day. 
And why did you use two of them as book covers? Tell us about that story. I would have used all of them if they'd all been clear enough to use. Uh, those, those two were, were clear enough to use. Uh, I'm looking out the window at that angel garden right now. Um, yeah, this has never happened before and never happened since. It was in 2013. And I'd already already released the book, the books, not, not the fourth one, but all the others. I had a different kind of covers on the books. And actually a friend of mine had just died. Her name was Leslie. She had died of cancer. And I'd worked all day long to make a music video in her honor because her funeral was in Baltimore and I couldn't go. So I sent it to her daughter. Um, and Leslie loved the books. She loved these books and we would have long conversations about them. We were very close spiritually. So after I finished this, I walked out to the garden. I was about to drive off the property and leave and something made me just pause and walk over and take some photographs with my phone, which I often do because uh, it's beautiful out there. And I took the, the first photo I took was, uh, let me grab this. No, it wasn't that. Well, I don't have it with me. Uh, oh, here it is. Yeah. Well, the first photo I took was this one. And this beam of light and orb was on it. And this is a statue we put up in memory of my mother, okay? And at first I thought, is it the sun? How can this be possible? It was so incredibly vivid though. So I would experiment and I took pictures away from the angel statue, not far away, just right next to it, like the woods right next to it would be nothing. And then I moved to a different spot, nothing, nothing. And then I went to the next angel and these angels are in a circle. So the light cannot hit them from the same way. Even if you had a a light aberration. It wouldn't happen in, in a big circle uh, of about a quarter acre separating these. Wow. So uh, the other one, um, the last one I took was this one and it was even more vivid. Wow. Uh, it was so incredibly vivid. What is the statue actually of? Because the light is so encompassing it. It's is that so that's the angel? Coming and where's it coming from? But Nonetheless, as I walked around and did this, and I'd go off the angels and then on the angels, and every angel would have some kind of circle. Some of them were a little softer. They were all huge. They were, you know, this big. So some would be very soft and fuzzy, and some would be vivid like that. But I still had in myself, looking at them, I was still having trouble believing that this was really happening. And I was thinking of Leslie, and I thought, you know, Perhaps this is Leslie's presence. So I got to, and it's on my website, but it wasn't clear enough to put on the cover of a book. I got to where I have a little table and two chairs. Actually, my cousin put it there. And she told me that my cousin, who's her, her mother was my mother's sister, only sister. She said, that's for our two mothers to sit on and enjoy this garden. They had both passed, Merle and Teddy. So I looked at that, those two chairs and I said, mother, if this is really true and this is really you, I want to see two of those 
orbs and I want to see them over those chairs. And it, I took two pictures and both of them had enormous, and maybe you've seen them on the website, maybe you could show it later if you have a way. They were over each chair. Well, what I'm gonna do is have everybody be able to go to your website. We're gonna tell them all about it so that they can see that on your yeah, website. That particular picture is not on the book. So I wish I had it to hold up for you, but those two big balls of light over those two chairs, there was no way in the world that that was a coincidence or something in the camera or anything. They, and they, were, they were huge. They were, you know, three feet across. Each. They're big souls. <laughs> They're big um, souls. It was wow. an amazing thing to experience. Wow. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, it's such a validation. Your mom yes. conveyed that each soul on earth is a member of a spiritual team with specific missions in life. Please tell us about our spiritual teams and our specific missions in life. <laughs> well, you know, every, a lot of people say, what's my mission? What's my mission? Um, sometimes we really are given a very distinct task, such as what happened to you. When did this happen in your life? Well, Saul died in 1997, and I was, I was out with the book about 2002, and then I got the message podcast came into my brain about three years ago okay. and so this was like all yes. part of the plan and I was told when I was channeling the book from Saul that this was we were part of a team this is what was so amazing to me when I read your books and that he was working with me from across the, from the other side Yes. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And now my experience and what I learned is being validated when I was reading your team books. I was like, oh my yes. goodness, here it is. Well, sometimes, and I'm telling, I'm telling you friends, sometimes it's later in life that uh, something becomes very clear and everything before is laying the groundwork. I mean, the relationship you have through your marriage laid a groundwork for communication. You know, that wasn't going to just occur uh, magically, um, you know, after knowing him two years. So uh, don't, the, the, don't let yourself worry, oh, what am I su supposed to be doing in my life? Being, she says over and over, there is no ordinary person. Ordinary life is not ordinary. You are not living an ordinary life if you're being a parent and going to work and connecting with other human beings along the way. You are a soul on a journey like everyone around you. And what you're doing is having an impact and you can do it from another level and never change a thing in your life. If, 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 if all you did was farm your land and sell your vegetables, it is the vibration of the person and what they're emanating that is your mission. That is our mission because we're all collectively contributing through our vibration to the evolution of consciousness on the whole planet. What we do is, is multiplied and, and activated and enlarged by the team, like a snowball going down the hill, collecting more. So how are, what is our mission? just being here and 
and learning to think and act with love and peace and lack of judgment. Uh, and passing it forward to other people so that they learn from your light also. Being, you, you talked about being an example, being the best example that you can by really internalizing these things. They're not just mere curiosities. Oh, that's a cool thing. But it really applying it when somebody gives you the opportunity to apply it by being difficult in your life. We're here, it's like a, the, the earth is like a workout gym for the soul. So we're working out our muscles. If we don't have any resistance in our weights, if they're all one pound, we're not gonna develop any muscles. So we provide for one another opportunities by being an inspiration to each other, by maybe disappointing one another, by uh, providing each other with relationships, difficult and beautiful to grow through. We need it. We need the, we're like surfers. Like the contrast. Surfboard. We need the contrast. We need the contrast. A, surf, a surfer goes out on that surfboard and he may love looking up at the blue sky, but really that surf, surfer is there for the waves. So we're here for the waves. We're here to practice our craft, our spiritual craft. And report to our team. And report to our team. And, and then learn from our team and share, you know, and have such an effect. Well, I liken it to like with my story, when they pulled me out of the car and the voice said to me, be loving and kind to everyone. I kind of took that was, well, that's my new mission, right? And then I got a further message. I started getting messages. I'm supposed to write a book. So yeah, yeah. I wrote the book and now I thought, well, that's great. I'm out with my story. I was helping a lot of people. I was consciously being loving and kind. And then what happened next? I got the message podcast. So that it's exactly that's what you're podcast. saying. Yes. You, you, and if you hadn't gotten the message to be loving and kind and, and had that, you, you wouldn't have got the message for content for podcasts because we have to, to, do what is before us, bloom where we're planted and do what is before us humbly and do it well. If, if we're tasked with rocking the baby all day, do it well and do with it love humbly and love do time. it with love and do it humbly. And then other things open up. Um, it's a journey, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, step, it's like sort of step by step. So you're a person, you, their, their, their mission, may just be to be a loving parent, but they may be a loving parent to someone who's giving birth to like someone who's going to be someone great for humankind. Yeah. There's no greater, there's no greater service. In fact, I just, when I'm, I'm working on a, a, a audio book of book one, and I just have been working on the chapter called Children. And there is nothing greater. I mean, we are sending these children out into the world as an emissary, a representative of ourselves. And there's no greater service if, if you are, because often parents or mothers staying home or just parents in general, it can be a father, anyone, grandparent raising a child can feel very left behind or very overwhelmed or very forgotten. So, it's such an important work. So huge. I mean, that's a whole other thing called conscious parenting for when people do that also. And I want to ask you also, how do our physical bodies relate to our spiritual bodies and the overriding mission of life on earth? Because I think a lot of us take our physical bodies for granted, Frankie. 
they don't understand. Yes, um, you know, in book one, there's a whole chapter on, on body called Body and Soul. And I always love to read a little of these books because I'm just a person talking about them, truly. You're the messenger. Um, I can talk about them, but the word, the, the way the words are phrased have a power of them, their own. And they, have, they definitely have a vibration. Yes. The senses of the body are an exquisite tool for the use of the soul. Bodies in all stages of health and all conditions have immeasurable usefulness. A body that is impaired is treated by the soul as water treats blockages in a stream. It finds a way to circumvent the situation. The soul knows how to make the best use of whatever form it joins. Wow. Our, our bodies, you know, are really the, we've heard the words, they're the temple of the soul. And we, if, if, if we just look at them from an egotistical standpoint, of course, we're going to find fault. You know, we don't like this part or that part, or we're getting older or things, we don't fit the, the, the fashion design, model design, whatever it is. But truly the physical form is such a blessing and such a miraculous combination of stardust that will never again be com combined in this unique way. You know, there cannot, unless they clone you, there's not going to be another body like yours. Right. And th the soul needs the body. So we care for it. And yet we, we, we care for it so we, it can be used by the soul. By the soul. It's, so like the, we, we are vehicles for the soul. Yes. They, and, and, and I want to, I have to say this. This is so important. It's in book four. The, the soul is not stuck inside the body. People think, oh, I'm a soul and it's this ball of light and it's stuck inside this body and I want out, you know, I don't like being in here. The, the body is actually inside the soul. The soul is vast. It's connected to the other side. A part of our soul is always on the other side. It's like a person sitting on the edge of the lake and sticking their toe in the water or their foot in the water. That's the part of the soul that is connected to the body, not stuck in it. Is that, that why people can see auras and, and different parts? Is that parts of the all soul? All around, all around. The body is inside the soul. These physical bodies of ours are tiny. I mean, you think about the vastness, even of the planet, we're like speck. We are a tiny speck. And yet we're not, our, our bodies are, but our, we are not specks because our souls are vast. And they're connected to these vast reservoirs of information and energy. So don't feel, don't feel like your body's nothing. It's very important. But at the same time, you're not stuck inside. It's, this is not the real and eternal us. Any more than getting in your car and driving for a while. The car breaks down. It gets too old. It goes to, you can't use it anymore. And you leave it and you get a new car. There you go. It is, but take care of that car and take care of that body. Because you want it to get as much mileage as you can until you are we do. discard that. Appreciate it. If you have a part of your body that is in pain, speak to it kindly and gratefully. 
I had used to have a problem with my knee and whenever it would act up, I would just touch it and I would thank that knee for all the years and the weight and the walking and the kneeling down and dancing and playing with the children and sympathize and give it a break. And instead of going, oh, why does my dude, I hate that knee, you know? Energy, it's words, thoughts are things and words have power. Be kind to your body. Be kind Did to you get body. better? Did your knee yes, start to feel My knee up? is better. It rarely ever acts up. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. I really want to know also when they talk, when in the book, you talk about some of our teammates are with us here on earth and some are working from the other side. I mean, Saul and I are, are a prime example of this. Can you tell us more about that dynamic? Well, the, you know, I've had people say, well, how many people are on my team and how do I know who's on my team? We don't, we don't know really those answers because if you even knew there were 25 teammates, those teammates overlap with other team. Your team overlaps with another team, like a Venn diagram in mathematics. You know, Right now, our teams are, are overlapping, wouldn't you say? Of course, yes. They're overlapping and they can overlap temporarily for a certain project or they can be very, very connected and be very intricate, sort of like you see in the business world. I mean, this mm -hmm. happens in... The, the you know representatives of certain businesses come together and they 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 coordinate so how your question though was oh working from the other side we have teammate we have teammates right next to us in our some of them are family members some of them are physical family. right we have in our lives we had Saul here physically he was your teammate but but just because they change location doesn't mean that the connection uh, it only manifests differently. It, it doesn't mean that the connection is gone. And often, this was pointed out to me by my mother, um, often they can do more for your mission from the other side, which is exactly what Saul has uh, done. This would not, what you're doing now would not take this particular form, this project that oh, you- Oh, I absolutely feel it. This podcast is helping so many people and I'm so humbled by it. And I absolutely know that they're cheering because it is helping so many people and I must be getting a lot of help. People are finding their way to it by one means or another. Yeah. And, I, and I keep getting emails from people at how much it's changing their lives and how much how they're looking forward to interviews with people like Frankie. <laughs> you know. So. We all, I want your viewers to know, we all have teammates that are on the other side. We have teammates by our side here who will transition and work with us from the other side, or we may transition and they remain. Um, she refers to it as boots on the ground and those in the lookout tower, which wow. is sort of a, a military comparison. I don't know if that's the best one, but I think people get that. Some of us are in the trenches some of us are boots on the ground. Some of us are in the lookout tower saying, I see that they, I see this big picture and those in the trenches can't quite see that, but can take direction and guidance and inspiration from the lookout tower folks. Um, and we take turns, we take turns and we don't have to do everything ourselves. Teammates are doing part of it. We do our part and we, we, we are open to the, the inspiration and the guidance we get to, of what our part is. And don't, don't 
worry about every single thing because they there are uh, there are people across the planet that you will never physically meet who are doing things that are going to affect you and your teammates plan and that energy is is brought to you or like right now perfect example you we're a thousand miles apart you and i irene right now uh, zoom really has brought home that this is how the team operates often we're speaking through vibration all this sound, all these images, I'm That's not right. with you. We are speaking through vibration and it is no different than uh, the team. Well, it's such a fascinating and very comforting concept to say, to feel you're not really alone, that you that you have, you're getting so much help and they're aware of everything. And when things are difficult, maybe you're supposed to be meeting these challenges and choosing how they're going to affect other people. And, and uh, they've even been planned for for your journey here uh, for your mission it's your chance to exercise your muscles how are you gonna how are you gonna learn to do it if you don't have a challenge to work through amazing so in that keeping your mom talks about enormous vibrational spheres comprised of specific types of vibration which we're kind of alluding to um how are these vibrational spheres related to our holy creative power that gives us more beauty to take home to our team so we're all like little we're experiencing these things and we're like going home to make a book report or something when it is our time to transition to the other side I know this always brings me so much joy because when days are hard and I don't want to make the effort I think oh gosh anything that I achieve is being vicariously sent to the team and they absorb it. Uh, if you, if, if for example, you heal uh, from abuse or you learn or you forgive someone who's harmed you, all the power in that healing and in that uh, forgiveness is deposited radiates out and is deposited, she said, in literal, huge, gigantic balls of energy called vibrational spheres. They're floating around. She said, if, you had, if we had the eyes to see them, we'd see them all over the place. They're gigantic. There's enormous spheres of love. All the love we've ever given, we've, we've, con we've ever felt, we contribute. All the anger we feel, we contribute to balls of anger. All the healing and we, we, we put it into these spheres and then others draw from it. And we are always depositing and we're always drawing. So we're drawing down the healing. We're drawing down the forgiveness. We're drawing like somebody who has a superhuman uh, strength and can lift a car off uh, of a person who's injured in an accident. They tapped into all the rescue energy of time that's deposited in there people who go into a state of bliss and meditation that's not just your individual bliss you're tapping into these gigantic spheres of all the bliss that's ever been generated through time so it makes me excited and and also very uh, a feeling of responsibility of what i'm contributing and then very grateful that i can draw that down as well uh, about being so conscious. So you just talked about forgiveness. So what wisdom did your mom impart about why gratitude works and why does she state that there is nothing to forgive? That is a fascinating concept for everyone to, to learn. Yes, I love the chapter 
in book three called Why Gratitude Works. And I have to read a little part of it to really- Please do. It's justice, okay. Such amazing books. Okay, so there's a, there's a story in here from the, uh, from the New Testament Bible. And it says, uh, we're told about a crowd of 5,000 people who were gathered to hear Jesus speak. And there was no food for the crowd. A little boy humbly offered what he had, which was five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus took these gifts, blessed them, and began to serve the people. No matter how many received the food, the amount in the basket never diminished. Everyone witnessed the miracle unfold as the entire crowd was fed with food to spare. The most important point of this story is not that a miracle occurred. It is that someone approached a condition that looked like not enough with gratitude and blessed it. He didn't regard it with anger, contempt, disdain, or disappointment. He didn't toss it aside because it was deficient. He didn't feel ashamed because he had very little to offer. He took care of what was there, treated it like a treasure, and allowed the power of that attitude, that belief, that spirit of gratitude to work a miracle. So the first step is to not compare everything. Let everything be enough. The fish is enough as two fish. A dollar, if you compare it to something else, has no value. But a dollar compared to itself as a dollar is complete and whole. A newborn baby, we look at this baby who can't speak, can't walk, can't do anything for itself. And yet to us, it's perfect. We, this baby is perfect. We don't compare it to the adult that is gonna be able to do all these things. As in and as of itself, it is perfect. It is enough, it is enough. So gratitude is about accepting something as enough. This pen as a pen is enough as a pen without condemning, oh, but I need a whole set of many colored pens. Right. So as soon as we start the comparison, things, uh, we are no longer grateful. And the gratitude is what really brings miracles into our life. So that whole chapter, that whole chapter. Because the team is feeling that too. You're lifting the vibration. And you're well, like, with the gratitude. You radiate, you mm -hmm. radiate thankfulness and joy. Gratitude is the key to happiness, is the key to joy. And as soon as we start uh, comparing and condemning and judging, then, then we're unhappy. And then we radiate this discontent or this pride. Right, right. And why does mom say there's yeah, nothing good for that? Say that again, excuse me, what? Start radiating this pride that I'm too good for that or that's not good enough for me. Um, that's why right. gratitude works. Gratitude works and forgiveness, you asked. Yeah, me. I want to know about forgiveness. How is there nothing to forgive? Well, I'm looking at the books again because it's- yeah, Please do, they're amazing. I can't even, I can't, I'm reading a lot of books and I'm reading a lot of wonderful, incredible books, but these books are to me very exceptional, really. 
And I and when I was reading them, I, I needed to read them just a little bit at a time so I could absorb the concept. Because yes, they're very it, profound. It, they, they're like, they start out with a basic concept and then they, they're very layered and very, very, very layered. Um, This chapter is very layered and it, it's difficult to, to do, but I'm gonna say just a few quick things about it. Um, living your life from the perspective of having nothing to forgive can be compared to an athlete's ability to operate from a position of immense strength. A person of such power feels very little impact when additional weight is placed upon his back. Similarly, a wealthy person bears little injury if somebody steals a sum of money from her. These examples are representative of the ability to, A, experience no wounding from the actions of another, thereby, B, creating no obligation to forgive the other, and C, releasing others from any obligation to make amends to you. And it, it is a complicated thing, but she points It's quite a concept to, to wrap your head around. You, the, the, the thing, I'll read a few more sentences. The <laughs> fundamental process are this, when you react with anger and hurt to those things that appear to be injustices in your pathway, you cause a dynamic to be set up between you and the offender, which requires further interaction between you both to, in order for the issue to be resolved. On the other hand, when you deliberately choose to spare yourself and others this mutual debt, because you're, you're, you're entangling yourself with that vibration in that person. And, and that vibration is going to carry over further on, right? As, yes. That's another life it has to be fixed but when you when you spare yourself and others this mutual debt you advance by leaps and bounds not because you are embracing personal freedom but because you are extending the opportunity of doing the same to the other person without them even requesting that you do so it says let everybody off the hook it's called detachment i would think you detach with love and it, that's the way i i see it right you, you do but you you also let everybody off the hook because you cannot see we cannot see where all this began if 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 you encounter somebody in this lifetime who breaks your heart does dreadful things and Honestly, I, I think I have had this happen in my life and I, almost everyone I know. Have I'm had sure we all have had that. This. All right, we do not know the root of where that came from. We do not know if that is one of our teammates and we are taking on a burden for them so that they can learn to by, by inflicting harm and acting out negatively and doing, Many of those very same people come around and have uh, regret. We give them the opportunity 
and they have regret and they learn. We may not see it in this lifetime. We may never see that person again. We may not know, but they will grow from, from that. And we may have taken that on. Sometimes we do that for teammates. We carry burdens. There are people who take on very hard lifetimes so that another teammate can be freed up for a while to do something they need to do or to maybe have a more pleasant life because they took on a burden for another teammate, just like you would do in your family. Just like the stronger person is going to carry the big suitcases when you're walking through the airport. Sometimes there are reasons for things and you don't have to say that action is acceptable to me, but you can say, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why we had to, to experience that, but I want no more to do with that vibration. I don't wanna to have to pay that person something back. I don't want that person to have to come back into my life and pay me back in some way. I want everyone to be released. It even says in that chapter to send out every morning before you go out to your day, send out pre-forgiveness, pre-forgiveness. I forget, I've already- Whoever is offending me today, I've, I'm letting if, it go. I will not be offended. If someone's gonna, I, I, I'm, I'm in, in advance, I am forgiving the person who's gonna cut me off in traffic. In advance, I'm forgiving the person who's, who's difficult at work. In advance, I'm forgiving because you don't want to be entangled with that person or that vibration. Lifetime after lifetime. <laughs> lifetime or, or even another minute. And um, you, can, you can do the release for both of you. Even if they're carrying on about you, you can send out enough light to where you, you do not have to be a part of that. And- How freeing. How freeing. Free. Freeing. Well, what else did your mom say about, she said, we have a spiritual legacy, the great love and the great love of our spiritual teammates and evolution is a collective process. Yes, we think we're doing things individually. Yeah, we think that we're all. No, she said, you are not alone. You're not even functioning as one person. Nobody is. You are a member of a team and these teammates work through you. They use you just like if somebody's sitting here next to me and I say, I'm having trouble here on this computer, you take over. They're not possessing me, but they are taking over the task. And it, I might even be writing something and say, I can't think of what to say. Can you finish that sentence? And maybe my sister, oh, you should do this. Um, in the same way, that we are not alone and we are a representative of our team. I love that idea. And it Me also too. is very responsible. I want to be a good representative of my team. Um, and we're not alone. And we're being to the ability we allow them and we, we cooperate with them. We are, are being used. But in- but the, Would you say this is contributing to the evolution of the planet as consciousness is being raised? It is, and every, every, every time we make ourselves available to our team to accomplish anything from the smallest, could be something local in your home or your neighborhood up to, to uh, a presentation or something of that nature, we, we participate in 
we are uplifted personally, They're, the teammates are uplifted and this radiates out and uplifts humanity and it's being done over and over and over all over the planet and you put it together that's why we can have no ego about any of this stuff because they're they it's brought together it's all gathered together and our our little bit our contribution counts we would be missed this would be missed that's so important how far it will go right so i have another one for you pranky here um i know your mom says that each of our lives are sacred how do poverty and wealth, illness and health, sadness and happiness all offer the same opportunity to a soul? That is, I love that question to tell you the truth. I could find that exact passage, but she, yes, it said it's unbelievable. When, when you die, it's like you the, the details of the dream fade away just like like we have a dream and, and maybe we wake up and we only know kind of how we felt it was it was a happy dream it was a beautiful dream it was a scary dream whatever but we don't remember all the details of the dream and she said this is how it is uh, when you pass away you you see you bring with you the jewels of wisdom that you extracted and you leave behind the details. So uh, being rich or poor actually are asking the same thing of a person. Are you going to allow this condition to affect your ego? I'm poor, <clears throat> that's affecting my ego. Oh, I'm rich, that's affecting my ego. Uh, are you going to allow the either richness or poorness or sickness or health to affect your ego and affect how you treat other people and how you, uh, the value that you see in yourself? Um, the rich person can be as lost because of that richness as a poor person can be lost in their poverty. It isn't the richness or the poverty or the sickness or the health that matters as much as what a person does with it. And we know this, we, we see often the harm people can do when they have power or when they have money. Or, and yet you can see a very simple or poor person do beautiful, magnificent things to help the world no money were ne was needed at all. Um, the same thing with sickness and health. There are help people who are a ball of health, but what are they really doing with their health and their time? If all they ever do is keep working out, <laughs> keep working out and, and uh, so they can buy new clothes. And I, I really hesitate to give details like that because I don't want to condemn any particular person. I admire people who work out. There must be a balance. We know what we're trying to say. Right. Um, if if you but but there have been people who have taught great things to others while they were ill. So what you leave with is not all that is like walking off the stage and taking off the costume. Whether you wore the king costume or whether you wore the pauper's costume, the costume's gone. What did you get out of that experience? And what did you give to others in that role? You know, 
What did I you think? That's that's the essence of, of what it's all about. And I didn't mean to say I, I work out myself. I didn't mean to say <laughs> but it is a balance. I mean, like I, I work out. I'm taking care of my body yeah. um, and all that kind of thing because I want to keep my tool healthy. <laughs> yeah. it, it is only only logical. I mean, some people are more careful with the oil and the gas they use in their car than what they put into their own bodies. Yes, you know. It is a tool that, that we are to respect, but we leave those details behind because um, all we're taking, it, it says somewhere in the books that we're, it's like an excavator going into a dark cave and coming out with these jewels. And the excavator, the person's gonna wash off the mud and keep the jewels. So when we die, we take the jewels, we take the nuggets of wisdom and we wash off the mud, whether it was a difficult life or we were not healthy or we were healthy or whatever, all that falls aside. And we have these nuggets of truth and wisdom that we can go back and share with our team. And then our team absorbs them. They don't have to live the very life you lived because they absorb the wisdom. She says that, uh, Reincarnation is very collective too, because whatever you are learning in this life is being sent back to your team. They're absorbing it and they're living a life through you. And when you die, you're going to live a life through them. What they learn, if, if a teammate comes to earth and does a certain thing and accomplishes something and, and learns and grows, you're, you're, you have access to all that information and growth. Wow, that's fascinating. You also talk about, the, in the book, your mom talks about illusions. <clears throat> and what happens when we peel back the layers of illusion? Is this referring to all these things that we do that we basically leave to the side and it's and report to our collective? Um, well, we take on a veil when we come here. Um, and we... The thing we're after is to be in the world, but not of it. So um, you can do and enjoy everything here on the earth, but have no illusion that it is permanent or it's not bad, but it's not, it, it is simply a passage way that you're going through as you develop and grow. Um, there's a chapter in one of the books called Illusions, Your Greatest Friends, because we embrace these illusions that the world has to offer and we, we take them on and we take them very seriously and we work through them, but they're designed like children. Think of all the illusions children have. And then as they grow up, they discard it. They discard those little toys. They don't pretend that's a baby doll, the baby dolls right. are a doll anymore. And, but it was good that the baby doll was real at that time for that child because that child was learning something valuable from pretending it was a baby doll. But now if they hang onto the baby doll and they're 15, we have a problem. So we have to let these illusions go as we grow out of them. We have problems, emotional, physical, spiritual problems, and we hang on to things and cling to certain illusions of uh, uh, trappings of the world. Um, beyond what their purpose was for us. Okay, that's really important. And also, 
uh, one of the tremendous transformations you have experienced is that you now love differently because you love the team behind each person, not just the person. So now when you address someone, you feel you are no longer addressing an individual, but a collective being. How else have you transformed and how have your own personal truths changed since you experienced the team? I mean, you must have transformed more than anyone from this experience, Frankie. You know, I would say about a week after my mother died, I went to my sister and I said, Kelly, I something has happened to me. I feel like all the frankiness in me has died. And she said, well, this is not good. You need a counselor. This is grief. There's something wrong. I said, no, no, it, it, you don't understand. I don't mean it that way. I just knew that things that were trivial, grudges, illusions that I had been laboring under off and on through my life, as we all do, had fallen away. And I will never again be the same. Uh, when I was younger, I, I had a problem with anger. You know, we all have our hurts. I had hurts from childhood, not from my mother, but from other things that happened. Um, and I would have these bouts of anger and since this experience, I have not had anger. The anger vanished like a mist. Um, I, can, I, I can honestly say I have not been angry. <laughs> Knock on wood in That's 11 wonderful. years. Uh, many, many. But when I, when I look at people and I say I love differently, it is really because I really, truly experience each person, no matter how they're manifesting, as a soul on a journey uh, and a representative of their team. And that they have a team, I feel great respect because I just feel this individual, no matter how they're coming across, has a team, has a purpose and it doesn't mean I'm gonna be a doormat and I'm gonna let everybody treat me badly or anything, but I just see this expanded uh, view of, of individuals that around them, sometimes I've had the experience of seeing around them, their team. Oh, really? You've actually, you've actually been able to see that with certain I have had I have had that experience at some time after after this happened, I, um, for a while, I would have incredible spontaneous mediumship type readings of people that I would meet. It would wow. be a, a downloads just like I had from the book, but about them and about their team and about their work and about, so I had to learn to regulate it. And for a while I gave mediumship readings to people, I did that for quite a while. And then I realized it really wasn't my work. It, it, there are wonderful mediums all over the world and it just really wasn't my work. However, when I do meet with a person who wants to speak to me about the team, oftentimes automatically there's a reading process going on and uh, I get messages for people. 
from loved ones on the other side or from their team, that kind of thing. But all of that had been kind of a natural ability to me in me when I was a child. I think you mentioned that. Um, you know, I had had many happen as a child and with my mother. But that just isn't the most important thing about this experience. But it was a byproduct with these psychic elements. It's a gift to people when you, when, you, when you help them like that. So I really want to know now, let it rip, Frankie. Like you do private sessions, you do group sessions. Um, could you talk about what they're like if people want to reach out to you? Uh, and and avail themselves of, of your great wisdom and your and your gifts. How can they connect with you? Purchase your team books or schedule. And what do you do in a private or group session? Maybe some of our listeners, our viewers, would like to schedule a private or a group session with you. Um, you know, if if people want to meet, if people are reading the books, and and even people who haven't read the books, sometimes they'll contact me and just want to talk about it. Um, I will simply meet. It's actually quite informal. I've met with people for 30 minutes. I've met with people for two hours. We just do whatever comes naturally. Um, people can make a donation. There's not a set price. If people have, I'm not gonna turn somebody away because they don't have money. You know, there's discounts available. And I just can meet usually through Zoom because people are all over the country. But sometimes I do meet with people personally here in town to discuss these concepts and how they can apply them to their life, because that's really where it's at. You know, otherwise we're just talking theory. I mean, I just had a situation. I totally applied these concepts to my life and it, I had, it's having a much better outcome. It changed my behavior than what I would have done from the past. Yeah, sometimes you gotta try something completely that you never have tried before. And there's chapters called the experimental approach that tells you to be kind of lighthearted with it. Be kind of look at and go, now, what do I always do in this? Yeah, and how do I, what do I want to try from, from this? Yeah. What, right? could I, what could I do different, differently and, and play with it? Um, so yes, I will meet with people individually. People have, uh, some book clubs have invited me to join. The people are all reading the book together and I can come in sometimes and, and explain some of the concepts in the chapter they're reading. Um, any variety of, of things. Thanks. Well, I know your team books are available on Amazon. You want to tell everyone your website if they want to get a hold of you yes. through your website? The best way, because people search around Amazon and sometimes, you know, you can go all over the place looking for things. If you go to the website, it is the team books with the S books, the team books com and on there you can click on you can read excerpts of the books you can you can go to you know the top uh, menu and click on how to buy them and it'll take you straight to the correct Amazon page for Kindle or paperback and right now I'm in the middle of preparing the audiobook um, I have this wonderful Australian uh, woman who is one of the voices on book one. And I also speak and several other people uh, are speaking on the book as well. So we're preparing book one and soon that will be on the audio book. And there's a, on the website, there's a pop-up thing that comes up. If you wanna put your email there, then I know 
that you would be like like to be notified when book one audiobook is ready. Oh, that's great. So uh, is the website also the team books or is it the team? Web or? The website, I only have one website, theteambooks.com. Okay, so they, so they can go on Amazon and they can look up the team books by Francis Key. And yeah. they can also in your website, go to theteambooks.com. And that will bring them to that. Well, I would go to uh, uh, like Google or anywhere on the internet and just type in the bar at the top, theteambooks.com, and it will Perfect. bring you to the website. And there's places on the website that you click that will take you to Amazon to buy the books. Perfect. Yeah. And what is your message about the importance of healing that you'd like to share with our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience? You know, what I said before briefly about physical healing, if you have any area of the body, is to, to speak to that part of the body tenderly and with kindness as if it's an injured child. That's your friend. Your body has tried to, to support your soul, give your soul something to work through uh, physically. Spiritually, take a trip to the lookout tower. Join your team. Look down at the earth as if you're up in an airplane and realize uh, how vast- a bigger picture in, in a way, right? Picture, how vast all of this really is and try to release a lot of the, the, the pettiness and also our urge to control everything and everybody in our lives. Um, you just said a mouthful. You just said such a mouthful about control. Oh yeah. my. Yeah, we have, our, we have our task to do, but we really, um, we have to remember even our children have a team. They have their own guardian angels. They have a destiny. They have a path. Um, Khalil Gibran said, you know, we bring, they, they are arrows shot from us, but we cannot uh, control everything that, that, that they do and they choose. And the same with the whole world. You know, we're all very upset right now about things going on in the world. What we can control and do is raise our own vibration. And, and once we, and once we move from that, then the ripple effect begins. That's wonderful. And that is wonderful advice. If people take nothing else from this interview, that is so important yep. for a reason to heal because you're contributing to the overall well-being. Yes, we are um, being given a tremendous opportunity with all this pandemic and political strife and everything. It's giving us a tremendous opportunity to ex to to. Uh, apply our spiritual truths and um, dealing with with love and like you said at, at times loving detachment but without the tremendous judgment and hatred um, that some people are heaping on others for their choices yes I know we all affect each other our choices affect each other and this is true and that's why the most important choice we can make is to raise our own vibration. And that's, just, that's how we can help the whole, the whole political climate and the pandemic climate is by raising our own vibration. So it sounds like if you, if you employ gratitude and all of these other things, you're raising your vibration. And that is that what your tip is for finding joy in life, that that will bring you joy? 
what brings me the most joy is what my mother said all the time when she was alive and she says it all throughout book one is don't take life so seriously don't take any of this stuff so seriously even the, the great spiritual principles that sometimes we can feel like we're um you know we're really spitting out a mouthful um, it's really very simple. It all boils down to very simple things and keep your sense of humor. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. Absolutely. Well, Frankie, the magnitude of the amazing insights that came to you from your mom are filled with such beauty, urgency, power, and depth. Here's one of my favorite quotes. You may argue that it is easier for the rich person to make a positive choice than it is for the poor person, but you are wrong. Put a cruel, narrow-minded person in a mansion and you will still have a cruel, narrow-minded person whose choices will reflect that. Put an authentically benevolent soul in rags and you will still have an authentically benevolent soul whose choices will affect, will reflect her nature as well. Our interview today has opened the door to just some of the incredible concepts in the team books. And there are so many more transformative insights in those books to read, digest, and absorb. I encourage everyone in our Grief and Rebirth audience to read the four team books that are filled with a fascinating, profound worldview from Teddy's expanded, unobstructive point of understanding. And I thank you, Frankie, from my heart for this incredibly enlightened interview. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on IreneWeinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at, at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm -hmm.